a walk, you're getting coffees, you're supporting the locals, and then you got your yeah, bubble. Yeah, like, it was really good. So we could actually go up to our local and buy a coffee uh, from those guys up there, which is just um, you know awesome to be able to support them. Uh, and we've got a park that's literally five minutes drive from my house that we haven't been to over the last five weeks. Uh, so we can go and do that. So it was, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Can I also say um, I am ridiculously well impressed with the, the symmetrical framing of what you have got going on there. It so, is perfect. It is as an, so there's a reason why I roll exactly like this is because I yeah. need it perfectly symmetric. If shit's not perfect like right now, see I'm off, I'm off and I'm back on. If but you it's know what? Not like, tight, I lose it. So we've been making a whole lot of content for parents, but if you look at the back there, there are there are there are two <laughs> I used to have there's kind of two thing two things on one side. Oh god, I've got my thing. So two things on one side and one thing on the other side. That's been disturbing for some people. Uh, and at the very beginning, I had two little silver things on one side and one on the other side, and that was just freaking some people out. So I swapped out one for a pot plant, and that seems to have balanced it up for people. No, it's it's a it's a thing. I'm always, you know, like I my I can see, I could look at a, a, a design and I could tell if something's off by like two or three pixels and just yeah. like so for starters well done um so obviously you know you've got to maybe i'll start here over the last while you've got to see lots of sides of new zealand new yeah. zealanders culture community commerce and and really what it's become clear with with COVID is it's become a unifying moment where culture, commerce, and community have all been together with the same thing on the same page. How have you seen, I guess, the culture or vibe or the DNA of New Zealand potentially change over this last six weeks? I think um, it's funny. I was thinking about that. Like, I'm in a fairly, I've been really lucky over the last few years in that I've got to spend, um, you know, basically my life is just traveling around the country talking to interesting people. So whether that's doing the kind of, you know, the, the speaking gigs or the tally gigs. Um, and I've always kind of had this belief. I've always been amazed at us as a country. And, you, you know, you'll turn up to like a, we turn up to film something and it's a shed. And then you go in the shed and there's wonders and miracles happening inside. So, and, you know, I'm, I'm, have been constantly, um, kind of humbled and impressed by when you travel around the country talking to different organizations and companies like there is a real concern um for people and and for looking after people and this idea of doing social good and for companies to look after the people who work from all that kind of stuff and so what i think is happening now is i think like in the world before it's easy to get cynical about people and to think that we're all just trapped by our devices and cynical and self-interested and all the rest of it mm. But actually, you look at what happens when the shit hits the fan. Mm. People do what they do, right? Which is um, the, just little things like people putting teddy bears up on their windows for kids, messages on people's gates, um, uh, the student army uh, helping out um, you know, older people who can't go to the supermarket, the resurgence of interest in um, buying New Zealand made and... Um, and, and kind of platforms for businesses here that are based here rather than the kind of the overseas things that we've just inherited and used because we were all just kind of, it was easy and we were lazy. So I think there's a real, and I don't think it's xenophobia. Like I don't think we're going to go all Donald Trump about this and want to close our borders and not talk to the rest of the world. I think what people are realizing is that in like this big global 
thing that we're in is really fragile. And so if your business is built on these extended supply chains uh, and, you know, you're, basic, you're basing your, your what you do on, I'll order it now, I'll get it in a week or two weeks and, you know, that, that kind of stuff, people are getting, no, that's that's really dangerous. Like this has happened now. It could happen again. Um, and, and I think there was a real um, passion for supporting local industries. And I think, but in a good way, not in this, you know, xenophobic, racist, the world's evil way. I think in a positive way, we're kind of looking at, okay, so what, what can we do to support our own businesses and our own economy? Yeah. The, the organic, kind of natural pulls of passion and care for that kind of hyper local resiliency or to really back back it's not even back in the underdog it's it's genuinely like everyone can feel the impact that it has had on everyone else and everyone can see the impact that it is having on everyone else and it's almost in a weird way do you think it's kind of empowering every dollar to go and there's a filter that's come on top of it to then check do I do this or that? And there's almost this moral and ethical, I don't know if it's a moral and ethical compass is the right word, but maybe like a, um, maybe it's a care compass. Let's call it a care compass. Maybe there's this, this, this new kind of little care filter of like, you know, do I, you know, spend the, the, the dollars for a cheaper overseas thing or do I really care and value that thing which, which builds to ourself? You know, do you think in a weird yeah. way, maybe New Zealanders have become more, this will forever change the psyche of how they choose to spend every dollar? I hope so. One of the, I kind of stopped reading opinion pieces because they were just making me feel depressed. But one of the ones, they just were. I just, like, one of my freak like, outs. Yeah. I know. Well, I sort of, I've only had about two sort of freak outs. And the biggest one was kind of, uh, I read some opinion piece about what was going to happen to us. And they use words like the depression. And all. it's like, oh, Jesus. Um, so I just stopped at that point. But I did read one that was really impactful and it was a bloke talking about how um he's afraid but the thing that he was afraid of is not coronavirus and it's not the economic impact what he's afraid of is that this thing will happen and we'll go through all of the suffering and suffering and sacrifice and then we'll just rebuild the old world that we had before that's probably 2.0 yeah yeah it's like i don't want to rebuild that world i don't think it was good for i don't think it was fair and i don't think it was equitable and what i hope is that as more of the people kind of, as we've all been forced into this position of suddenly needing a safety net and needing to depend on our neighbors and needing to depend on our government, that we kind of start thinking, actually, there are there's some really good things about living in a country where you have, where there's a collective looking after of everyone. And so, you know, maybe taxes aren't, super evil (laughs) i I thought it was freaking hilarious when the taxpayers union took up the wage subsidy so the very people who said (laughs) we will never take taxpayers money what they what they really meant was when we don't need it we won't take up taxpayers money but now that we need it it's different and so therefore we will but that's different and it's those people over there have been taken up for ages they're still bad people i thought that was freaking hilarious there's been quite a few Muppet moves that have been, will get unwind and exposed over this next little bit. Yeah. Um, from as simple as, you know, comms were staffed to pay out things gone wrong to just, you know, leases with landlords to just, there's just so many different, like the butter, I was saying before, you know, the butterfly effect of every, the tentacles of this thing going to every part of everyone's life at every different point. Yeah. It's been yeah. quite, um, 
I don't know, inspiring is definitely not the word, but definitely eye-opening to to maybe show the average and really prove to the average, you know, Kiwi the effects that things have, how everything affects everything. You know, the balance of, you know, that, that flipping Lion King shit. You know, the balance of of, of life, of all, how all these bits move around the circle, the circle of life. Yeah. It's, it's so true, you know? Yeah, well, you know, and, and it's like, and that, that whole thing has just made us reevaluate everything you know so supermarket workers the people that everybody just ignored are now seen as being heroic frontline workers and we're getting oh she no you know they for the first time you look at people in supermarkets and you go oh you actually do this really important thing you keep us fed you, you know you make sure there's thank you, food, you know? thank you yeah <laughs> it's like it's uh that's a that's a good thing. You know, perhaps people, perhaps we'll look at valuing how we value roles and positions. So how do we value mm. teachers and how much we pay them? How do we value scientists? You know, yeah. like, like at the, we've kind of valued some people very highly. Probably everybody knows Susie Wiles now, uh, and they may know maybe another couple of um, people, but before this, most people wouldn't have known the name of a single scientist in this country. And we're a country rich in science and scientists and people doing all kinds of amazing stuff. I was talking to Michelle Dickinson about this and, and we were talking about if only scientists had the same exposure as some of this mainstream media for those that were educated that could actually have a voice that was loud that have impact yeah. instead of yeah. those that almost won by default because they had the loudest yeah. megaphone. Yeah. It's like make the heroes out of it, you know? Yeah, and Michelle's one of those standout scientists, right? I think a lot of people, um, they like they don't. I, I think a lot of people just think she's really crazy. But I think a lot of people, particularly um, people who just see some of her social media stuff, will just think she's just a science communicator, not this actually really accomplished, very clever yeah. actual scientist. Weapon. She is yeah. a weapon. <laughs> she is. And you know, and so here, here are the, there are these people in our country who are really good at doing the stuff, and like, what an amazing role model people like her and Susie Wilds are um and you know and everyone loves Ashley now <laughs> it's like yep. public health is a is a kind of a thing so that's I've always kind of thought it's a bit shameful that we don't value scientists as much as we value sports players I mean sports is great and I know that people work incredibly hard and they have skills and stuff to get top of the fields but also um our, our scientists our, the, these people they they're an important part of what we do <laughs> Yeah, I've always had this frustration piece thinking about, um, you know, the young bucks, who are the heroes that sprinkle the breadcrumbs of positivity that, that helps affect their lives? And and when I was a young buck, it was, you know, Michael Jordan and Dr. Dre, it was sports and hip hop, you know, and then if you fast forward thing, it's still sports and hip hop. You, you, the average young buck isn't really looking up to you know, the, the John Olomus of business or the Michael Jordan and Dr. Dre's of, of entrepreneurship and tech yeah. and whatever. And yeah. I kind of, I, I think that we've had a first wave of, I remember when it's the big, you know, um, uh, nurses and teachers deserve more. It's like 100%, you know, my wife's a nurse, 100%. But this is definitely widen that gap to, to, to just, we have more heroes than we realize. And I think this is a yeah. good moment to actually just maybe change the optics of, of what you you feel is important or not but i really would like more 
people of actual education to have bigger platforms and so we can just shut up and listen to those who actually know what's up because we were talking to melissa clark reynolds the other day and she just went on this random tangent and it was so good she goes i'm flipping sick of these tech bros trying to say oh i reckon i reckon that we should <laughs> and i was just like melissa is so good but she's right like we yeah. like let's say i'm not saying we like we're not scientists we don't know this crazy tech shit. flipping give the flipping biggest megaphone to the smartest humans not those that win by default you know i just i, th yeah. I, I think i i really hope it changes you know that we need to get some we need a better pr for those that actually know the smart shit, which we don't know it's going to make and, the world safer i think and some of that like scientists also struggle a bit with with thinking that anyone's interested in what they do because i remember a couple of years ago i went to this uh, this camp and it was for it was for scientists going down to um to the ice the next season uh and it was talking about you know communications and media stuff and i had this i talked with this woman for 25 minutes who basically was this tomb raider of the antarctic like she'd spent 20 years on the ross ice shelf and she was just my god she was interesting and then at the end of it she said but i'm not very good at the science communication stuff and i literally just went what the fuck? like seriously <laughs> like you know I, and i think that's that's they so part of it is i think it is a difficult thing to do and, and and it's a hard thing to kind of get used to the media stuff and talking to people when you kind of but they just have to like their passion for what they do that's the interesting bit like mm. i've i've talked to we've sat in rooms talking to scientists and it's you hook into the stuff they're passionate about it's like super interesting mm. like the guy in the antarctic when we were down there years ago we were in this hut it was like a scene out of blimmin', out of shackled to scott's you know diary we were in this hut in the middle of the dry valleys and 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 like scientists were doing science and some of them were cooking and i thought god all you need now is is literally for someone to come in and show you a sample they just found and and at that precise moment this german bloke he came over and said oh, i've just found this moss would you like to see this moss it is 10 cells on your and i'm going oh this is amazing That's, yeah the the wave of um, you know, when I was a young bike entrepreneurship or startup or hustle was kind of looked down upon if you didn't get, you know, A's and bursary and school C and all that shit. Cause I failed, you know, failed high school, failed school C, all that. Um, but you think the same wave is going to happen now with science. It was like, it's going to be the dope. She's like, bro, you're in science. I mean, you know, you're saving lives, you're saving the flipping world. And I, it's quite, I think it's going to be net net a good moment for education to get more spotlight on the, on the good I feel. So net net, I think it will hopefully be, be good. Yeah. And I think there will be more focus on entrepreneurship and the tech stuff because tech, you know, it doesn't have borders. Like you don't, you don't, you don't have to do that kind of stuff, technology and science, but when those, and when that kind of all that combines in that little entrepreneurial perfect storm of amazingness, um, that's where we can do stuff that changes the world. I mean, I do think also that we, that kind of, we are looking at, um, we kind of need to be kinder to each other when we're talking about things like dairy farmers have been pummeled for a long time. Not so much anymore. Like we're all pretty happy we've got a dairy industry right now, you know. Yeah. And yep. yes, it still has problems, and yes, there's still the, you know, the the like there's still issues there. But I just feels like for a long time it's been about fault finding and finger pointing and blaming and that kind of stuff. It's like, well, no, let's let's find ways to make the best of what we've got and to build on that, and not to um, kind of beat people up for the stuff that they do. 
Yeah, the point on, on building on it, right? You were saying before a lot of what we had was, was broken. What, what do you think the biggest parts, if you're an alien looking at New Zealand pre-COVID PC, what parts were really broken that you think we have a chance to potentially fix or address now properly? I mean, I think capitalism... That old chestnut. That old chestnut. <laughs> you know, it's like I will have done. It feels like all I've done for my entire career has been working with the dregs of the the, the offcasts of you know the human cost of capitalism. And yes, capitalism has done some good things for the world and that model and blah blah. I you know, and I remember having a a, a long debate with a, a with a, an arch neoliberalist capitalist who I think probably has a picture of Ayn Rand tattooed on his ankle. Sounds um, fun. Sounds fun. Yeah. Him to Christmas. But, awesome. And it's like, and yes, it, it has lifted people out of poverty. I don't think far enough. And I think we can look at what's how, how that model has evolved. Um, and it hasn't been useful. So I think fundamentally it's about rethinking how we share the wealth and the gains of the things that we do. You know, is there a fairer, better way to share those resources so that everybody can actually live a decent life. You know, when we have people working 70 hours a week and still having to go and get food parcels to feed their kids, mm. that's fucked it's up. That's like that's, that, that's, that's, that should not be a thing. And so what I hope is that we will look at um, how we do things. And, you know, consumers are going to want to, they'll really start to value the companies who are fair and who pay things like, you know, the living wage. And yeah, there is, there are, there are, there are tough times for a lot of businesses at the moment, but we just can't, we can't rebuild this thing that we had before. We have to try to think of ways to rebuild every aspect of of our economy so we can cope with these things when they happen in the future so we've got more robust businesses in terms of you know that whole supply chain stuff so that we we can share resources more equally like i i'm i'm actually really optimistic for young people probably for the first time forever because i think maybe you guys have got a shot you know maybe maybe the the tree's been shaken enough but the difference of 10 years ago to now is now everything is tech, but now you've got these new tech leaders which are stepping up to the plate that are, I'm calling it the squeeze. I don't know if, if other people have said it, but it's the squeeze of, you know, I've said it a few times, the threes and fours are becoming the ones and twos where that young buck, piss off, go get me a coffee person from 10 years ago is now the marketing manager or the GM or the MD or the, or the young, young CEO. And that squeeze is like the 36 to 42 where yeah. they're old enough that they've done enough shit that they're trusted to be in the room with credibility and have, have weight but they're still young enough to know what's up. And that's, I'm at the bottom of the squeeze. So I'm, a, I'm only 34. So the bottom of the squeeze is like, you know, I'm, my homies are in that, starting to get in those circles now, but that's where I think is really interesting to your point is because if you've got, if this, if the new leaders are the, are the, the, the new ones and twos and they're instinctually driven around, you know, I guess maybe not, I'm not saying, Profit is obviously important for businesses, yeah. but there's more to. It's very clear that with their world and their view, it's it's not. Let's wear a, a flipping three piece, work flipping twenty hours a day, drive to the bottom and stuff you. This is how it's done, you know, or piss off type thing. I think that leadership's not only hopefully dead, but it really even through this thing, I feel that there's going to be a new wave of leadership that's going to be given more reins to help deal with this new future that we're building. And that's where it's, I think, is that the squeeze is going to get interesting in the next 12 months. I think, I think. Yeah, it's a more empathetic 
kind of socially grounded leadership. And it's and the thing that the, I guess the biggest thing that I've learned over the last 10 years of making documentaries and talking all over the place is that it's good business to do good. Like, yeah, even if you're a total psychopath and you have no feeling for other human beings, just fake being a decent human being and being, you know what I mean? Like it, it is really good business. They're not mutually exclusive. It's not some, um, you know, indulgence that's going to be bad for your company. You look at what people are doing right now, where the movement is. There was a, a Facebook group set up for to buy locally made product. It, it got something like 170,000 people signing up in about four days. There's a, a company called Eat Local NZ, which are yep. pushing themselves, and I'm championing them because it's like I think you pick one battle you can help with, and for me it's this they're trying to challenge the Uber Eats model. Um, and just a wave of people have signed up and a wave of businesses have signed up that wouldn't have been possible before. So from a kind of where the country's head and heart is at, that's where that's where we're at. You know, if I was a business, I'd be thinking about, you know, how do you position yourself so that people are really can see the value that you add. And to be honest, it's any business right now. Like you want to support anything, you know, like you drive along, you see there's a baker. I'd go and buy a loaf of bread. I didn't know it. We, our local cafe, we've got into the habit of having coffees at home, right? And and yeah. just, so we used to go out in the morning, have a coffee and then come home and I start doing some work. We've sort of got into the habit of doing it at home and we talked about it and I thought, well, we could just keep doing that. We've actually saved a lot of money from having coffees at home. But if we all do that, we're buggered. And and those people at the cafe, I like them. You know, I've known them for a couple of years now. And so it's about where you can, you support and help people. So even though for us, it kind of makes sense not to do that anymore, we're going to mm. keep doing it because that's how we all do better. You know, it's mm. like, I think there is a huge opportunity now for us just to, um, to refocus and recalibrate the whole, the whole ball game. It almost feels to your point, Noja, is around, you know, empathy almost has its own momentum now, you know, like good, goodwill has, has momentum and, and, yeah. and, and maybe selfishly for businesses, or if you're thinking more for the commercial head on, it's like, okay, how can you capitalize of this moment of empathy and care for others to help make your business, not just make transactions now, but actually create proper engaged relationships to create that glue to then move forward because if you go business as usual and let's say you've got that, that those right intents and you go in and then you get shit service and they don't care and it's rushed and blah 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 then you can be like Ugh, stuff this like i came here to help you guys and you guys being dicks piss off that there's this going to be this funky psychological i guess tango that's going to happen between like commerce and community over this next little bit you know those those threads are going to weave yeah. quite sporadically and I think it's okay, like, there's this whole thing about, you know, and it's a narrative that's been around for a long time, it's like, oh, that, you know, that, that organize, that brand, that they're only doing that because it's, it's, it's good for the brand, it's good for, blah. you can have two things that are true, you can do something that is a good thing to do, which is also good for your brand or organizational company, and they don't, they're not mutually exclusive, they don't cancel each other out, you can do good things that have another benefit and those two things are both still true i think it's a, and i think it's it's kind of the thinking that we have to get past like no oh, they're just doing that because you know yeah. well yeah there's a value to that company of doing that but actually they're doing it because it's the right thing to do overwhelmingly my experience with companies around new zealand has been they actually just want to do the right thing you know they genuinely want to help the people who work for them 
to the, the, the to, to invest and develop their well-being. They are genuinely interested in in building communities, and so we kind of have to get past, I think, as a country, some of our cynicism, and just accept the fact that you know you could do a good thing that's also good for your company. And we have to be, I think, forgiving of of mistakes, and we have to. Because um, there's a whole bunch of things that are going to start now, and they're not going to get it right. You know, there will be problems and things will go wrong. Um, but you just have to, you just have to hang in there. You kind of have to commit. Like if I'd gone up to our local cafe, um, and it took 40 minutes for a coffee, uh, and it was cold because they had all, it didn't. It was, you know, they were great. Um, but if it did, I'd still go back because it's like, well, that's what you do. You know, you that's you just that's what we all have to keep doing. Yeah, it, it's the almost that filter of when your intent, I call it, you know, intent trumps all, you know, when, when, when you get so much more leeway, if they, they know what your intent is, even though yeah. the execution could be off. And yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's become very clear that through, through COVID and, and as we, you know, move from four to three to two to, to, to hopefully the new, the new normal for a new New Zealand, that we just don't forget that with each other. And I don't think we will, because it's been so entrenched with what this has meant for every part of society yeah. that I feel that the intent is pretty clear that even if everyone throws, you know, a million just straight, just bricks for this next year or two to try, at least if I've been trying, they know what the intent is. And I think that that is net net probably a, a good thing for, for, for Kiwis. Yeah, and you know, and I think what will happen in in uh, weeks and months ahead now is there will be lots of second guessing and um, you know, particularly how we've the government's response to COVID and how we could have done this and we should have done that. Um, that stuff is going to start up, I think, a lot. Um, but it, it, so so I think we have to be careful to kind of just build on the good stuff that we've done. You know, and, and that's the only way that we're going to salvage you know a different kind of New Zealand and to help more businesses is to just focus on being positive and we, like that's what the best organizations the best teams I've ever been and we don't there's no freaking blaming and yeah. crap it's just like okay shit happened next we learn from it let's move on you know and yeah. mistakes are good right and it's a trite old thing but it bloody is like I've never learned anything from the things that have gone well. I've learned stuff from the shit that's gone catastrophically wrong, and then you lift your game. So, mm. you know, that's the kind of, as a country, that's the kind of team culture that we need to try and build. The same thing that's got us through these last four or five weeks. If we can keep that going and find a way to keep that momentum going, uh, you know, we're going to be in a pretty good place in two, three, four, five years. I've always had this idea or thought around, you know, moment to movement, you know, um, like mass execution comes from mass education, which comes from mass awareness, which comes from mass inspiration. And then it's like, okay, well, we've had a moment. Cool. We're all in the Kool-Aid of action and change and better New Zealand and hyper-local resiliency and look out for each other and care. How do you strategically push all these little pieces continuous whether it be from you know the new zealand police with their social with a whole bunch of teddy bears and creating that or comms with the local you know just whatever this thing is how do we take a strategic approach to make sure that this moment becomes a movement because the upside is so incredibly massive if we get it right not only for new zealand yeah. for each other's but as a statement to the world with the halo effect with the magnet of new commercial opportunity there's so much at stake potentially after 
this than there was before this i feel for 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 the world if you 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 were talking about before about you know not being things not being fair and how you do it what do you think a new a new version of fear could look like for this new new zealand if you're like to sprinkle a little ladder dust over it how would you what does that look like in your head well i think that what we do is we would we would look at kind of every aspect of our economy and we would think okay so what makes us stronger and more independent what are the what are the, and how do we take people and invest in training and education so we're, we're doing a lot of infrastructure projects which are great um, and that will get people back to work but how can we also upskill and train people you know people who at the moment may not have the skills and knowledge that they need but could retrain um and take on other roles so i would be looking really strongly at how we invest in training i would be looking at um that that idea of um it's interesting so things like a universal basic income used to be just some flouncy idea that you know blah 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 blah, blah. Well, yep. yeah it's like now most of us have been on a universal basic income for a little bit um and so what and, and so people need to say so what's the impact of me of taking the wage subsidy has it made me lazy has it made me think this is great if I could just do this forever I would or has it just removed the stress of trying to survive to a limited extent which then frees you up to try to think about the stuff that you're doing next so I think we need to rethink um, the whole the whole system you know a wealth tax what about that <laughs> what about this idea of and you know what it's like i um we we interviewed a guy i won't say who out of fairness uh, years ago who call was bob 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 not that one oh, no, oh, no, okay we'll call him steve there you go steve, steve. so we interviewed steve um and steve is part of basically this family dynasty and they built a whole he built a very successful company um and his take was, uh, he said it was a nonsense to suggest that that wealthy people would leave New Zealand um, if you changed the tax system, because he said he wouldn't. He chooses to live there because it's a good place for his family, and he he doesn't want his his children and grandchildren to live in a gated community. He he, and he absolutely believes that that you know. He said, "I'm not okay until everyone is okay," and that's hmm. that's how we need to look at things. You know, if if rather than just kicking a whole bunch of people, when I, I worked in child, youth and family and youth justice for years, right? And some of those kids who who, who basically couldn't do the school system uh, and ended up flying out the side of it and in all sorts of trouble, man, there were some smart kids there. I won't say how, but there was a 14 year old that I talked to once who basically worked out an algorithm to escape from police dogs. I've never told it publicly. It's very, very clever. Like he, and this was a kid who had been buffed out of school. Wait a second. I think I know the same kid and he could, dude, we'll talk about it after. I met that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) It's to do with your strategy. He had a, he had a strategy that was a very simple algorithm, but it was genius. With the fences. Yeah. Yes. You met the same kid. Yeah. I met the same kid. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, day. But like, yes, yeah. They, they're just really, really smart kids. The problem is they're often uh, they're dealing with trauma and they're dealing with neglect and they're dealing with growing up in a shitty home and they're dealing with stuff not going right for them and generations of bad stuff happening. You know, if you grew up in a shitty, damp, cold place, um, basically living in poverty, it's a freaking nonsense that we all have the same 
opportunities. You know, every time I hear someone say, oh, you know, the great thing about New Zealand is it's a level playing field and we all have to <laughs> It's like, fuck off, we do. Like, clearly, Piss off. No. I know. It's like we don't. If we did, Jesus, imagine what we could do as a country if we did. Like, imagine if we could harness the the, the, the creativity and the, and, the, and the smart people who just get biffed to the curb. So that's... That's what I would be focusing on. Doing. I think, how do we make the most of the resource that we've got rather than just selectively making the most of small populations of people? How do we make the most of everyone? Sometimes I do these talks on the psychology of success, right? And I always start off by saying, if you want to be successful, the easiest way is to join the right club. And if you're in the right club, it's so much easier. And I said, I um, am in the best fucking club in the world. I'm a white middle-class man if you've got any options join that club because <laughs> it's just so much easier it's and, the, like the alumni effect in the states it's the same thing it's a club. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's like the people who think i think anyone who looks and is like me who thinks they got there just because of their own innate genius and blah blah no you didn't I, I, I mean, I grew up in a working class home, but, um, you know, I had a good mum and dad who, who loved and looked after me and at the time could afford to do that. And then I got into university and because I'm and it's not being a woke. I hate that woke <laughs> shit. It's just reality. It's just, it's just simple. I reality. I get, yep. Yeah. So my People thing don't see is, that though. They don't. They, they, the lenses don't see that if they don't. If, if they've no. only seen that one way, that's how they feel yeah. it is for others. Until yeah. you've you've experienced what that's like on the other side to then experience it from others. And that's my hope that as more people have been pushed into that position of their life being their lifestyle being threatened and their income and their homes being threatened, that if if nobody wants that to happen to anyone. But if what comes from that is a greater understanding and empathy for the reality of people who've been living that life and worse for years, then I think we're in a good place. We have massive amounts of capacity and talent and enthusiasm that we just ignore. And it, we just don't, we just don't. We interviewed this kid. Oh, I could tell you endless stories of these amazing young people, but that, that would be my thing. I think we need to try to figure out ways as a country to, to use to, to lift everybody up because if we do that as a country my goodness yeah the, the challenge of and it's it's weird because it it takes a different mindset of those in power or influence or those that can have the levers to pull to open the gates for those that don't look like them roll like them talk like them act like them just anything like that it's, it's such a tough i broke through but it was because my mental headspace is you know, I'm a yeah. nut job, but the, 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 the many, 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 many crew that are just like me would never even fathom being like being able to get in the room or to do whatever. The, 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 the thing that sucks for me is when I then talk to the same for yourself, you go talk to them and you just hear them talk with the ideas and the thinking you're like, man, you could drop that shit into a corporate right now. And it'd be just like next level. So it's like, how do you, yeah. that crossover, how do you bridge the gap between the, it's not even the have nots the haves like perfect example is uh, ian taylor right so we had him on the show a little bit ago he's down in, in dunners obviously doing his yeah. thing his whole crew is like look everyone's on board uh don't stress about anything we're good to the end of the year just go nuts he goes but until now in december i want you to use this time to finally be able to create all that crazy shit which you never had time for and you have my full blessing to go nuts 
see you in December. It's like, yeah. And the the ninja shit of it is, you know, when you talk to outside of, you know, being a good bastard, keeping his team on board, yada, yada, yada. It's actually the fact of like, no, no, no. You're techless, you're tech, which means you're weightless, you're global and you're scalable. So if you get one thing that pops, the IP goes flipping everywhere. So then yeah. selfishly, it's the same thing you're talking about, win-win. It's he's been a good bastard to help them as humans, but then they as a byproduct are gonna, you know are gonna create some shit that is gonna be so amazing and impactful that then goes to the flipping world that gets commercialized a thousand times more than another tree that gets cut once and is gone. You know, like it's, I want that. I want that thinking to change for New Zealand. Well, and, and that sort of Ian Taylor-like thinking is completely contrary to what normal thinking would suggest. Like, ironically, the book that I've been suggesting to all of the organisations I've been talking to is this really, really old one, Edward de Bono, lateral thinking, and it's like, yeah. It's so dry. It's like eating wheat bix without milk. Like it's really <laughs> freaking boring. It's a it's a terribly dull book. But the ideas in this book are profoundly useful. If I think back over my entire life, my entire career, there was before I read this book and after I read this book. And 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 what I like about lateral thinking is it kind of it, it's like if the same old same old isn't working, you can't just sit around on a beanbag and wait for some moment of inspiration to yeah. come. You need there are some deliberate strategies that you can use to change your thinking about a thing. And I've used over the years the De Bono stuff much more than any of my clinical training because when mostly I'm dealing with when I was doing a lot of child youth and family work, Aranga Tamariki work, it was like the situation was impossible and there was no solution and no one could work out a way forward. One of the simplest things you can do if you have a business and you have a problem, just do this. I've done this so many times and, and it usually it produces a result. So you have a problem. And you think this is impossible, we can't solve it. Literally what I would do, and it's a de bono technique, uh, I would just write all of the assumptions that I'm making about the problem down on a bit of paper, every single assumption I can think of. And then you go through and you either prove or disprove those assumptions. And so you either you end up with a very small list of things that you don't know if they're true or not. And usually somewhere in that assumption, um, there is something that's a solution. So it's mm. like... It's, Simple technique. And Ian Taylor's thinking is very lateral thinking. It's like yeah. in the middle of all of this, rather than saying, right, finish the work that you're doing or we're going to cut down and let's just focus on the things that are paying the bills, he goes, eh, go crazy, like build crazy mad stuff. We're going to pay yeah. you for the rest of the year to build stuff which may go nowhere. Yeah. That sort of thinking. And, and, and to, the have the, to have the – the freedom and empowerment from leadership above to let the employees feel safe to go nuts and no yeah. have any fallback on it. That's the shit. Like when you can, when you can do that and into you, you know, the, the, the bonus thing of the, the, the lateral thinking is um, like right now, entire verticals are just being demolished and dismantled and a whole bunch of crazy shit. Everyone's need to go these, these crazy different ways of, of thought process to like, you know, how do you, you know, retake and redeploy skill sets of human capital and businesses to different verticals? How do you do just different models of what bricks and mortar infrastructure, yada, yada, yada. And that we had, um, uh, Nikol Ravishenko on the show last week, who's the, um, uh, chief digital officer at Vector, and we were talking about you know some of the the crazy stuff that he had to kind of work through with the the scenario planning, um, and we then talked about you know and each time there's this gnarly problem, the way that it has been done and addressed 
it's always broken at this point because everything's stuffed yeah. anyway. So then yeah. the question is, you know, how do you create that empowerment? And and what we were talking about, I, I call it ninja moves, right? Like what's the crazy ninja move that you can just flip and go hail Mary gnarly shit. But then the, the next bit was, well, how do you, how do you create an environment virtually through culture with communication to all your staff and employees to be able to have that bravery to then, to then go outside. And I gave the analogy around John Kill and for mental health. I said, John Kerwin was perfect for mental health because he created the Trojan horse that became the vehicle for everyone to talk about the thing without talking about the thing. And it says, how do you brand that? So then we kept, brought it down to a question and we were just talking shit on, online we're going through. And I said, okay, what if the question was then, um, what could MacGyver do? Yeah, right? yeah. And yeah. It, it changed the framework. So then, then the idea is you've, you've put MacGyver as the, you know, I mean, the dude could, you know, make a flippant airplane out of shoestrings. But why it was amazing, because everyone got that analogy, but it created a safe space for ideas for people yep. within the organization yep. to say, oh, well, MacGyver could, dot, dot, dot. And, and they're like, they're, they're, the Trojan horse is there. And if you yeah. brand that the same, we were talking about, we said, holy shit, actually, the reality of what's going to happen is, you know, if agile thinking came through, it's a new hot thing for corporate, like, cool, get that. I think this pre-corona PC, AC, after corona methodology for business things by even branding up these things around ninja moves and what could MacGyver do, it will it will open that thinking from beneath to come up. And I think hopefully that could help try and make, you know, businesses better. I feel. Yeah, we I mean I think you're absolutely right. We have to change our thinking about thinking. Like if you if you're approaching the way your organization, your business with the same thinking as before, then that's that's not going to help you need that that sort of lateral thinking the ninja moves the the macgyver thinking to get you outside of those usual things and it, it it's been astounding to me over the years how if you just apply some simple principles so that you kind of force your brain to operate in a different way and it is things like you know the macgyver move because what happens and debono talks about this a lot we become our ideas we take very personally they're us and so if someone criticizes the way that we do things, people are threatened by that and they yeah. think it's bad. One of the things I've said to organizations for years is if, if some new kid comes into your office and starts criticizing things and you get upset about that, the problem is not the kid. <laughs> the problem is you. You know, we've always, and in every team I've ever been in, one of the things I've worked really, really hard at is there is no preciousness. You know, everybody gets to criticize everything. If you can find a hole, didn't poke a stick in it and just keep poking it until the yep. thing falls apart. And so, you know, I've always tried to work really hard so that everybody feels like they can criticize, they can second guess. And our production company, we have production assistants, we show them cuts of the show and ask them what they think. And if they didn't like stuff, there's nothing more depressing when you come up with a cool idea and you think it's awesome. And then you show it to your 24 year old production assistant, you go, eh. and it's like, if you're an arrogant person, you would just discount their opinion, but it's like, Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah. so so it is that stuff about you have to find a way to divorce your personal investment in your ideas and your processes and step aside from all of that. You need to encourage different people to come in. You know, the the I remember years ago in a, in a, in a therapy agency that I worked in, they were having problems with kids behaving in the, in the waiting room. And I said, well, let's get some hairdressers in and ask them how they control kids in the waiting room. And then I said, no one did that. And then I said, why don't we get the top real estate person in the country to come in and talk to us about sales? Because we were in sales. We were selling families ideas. But 
that's people couldn't get their heads around that. It's like, no, no, we do therapy. It's like, no, you don't. You're salespeople. You're trying to sell someone an idea. Why can't we get someone who's really good at sales? I've learned more from salespeople. You know, they they know stuff about how to influence people. And so it's that cross-fertilization of stuff. It's about stepping back from your ideas. It's about having really simple strategies. So maybe you sit down with your teams and you do the MacGyver thing. Another simple one is I used to call it the um, De Bono calls it opposites, but I used to call it the Costanza effect. So did you ever watch Seinfeld? Uh, no, I was more into Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So you were, okay. So... <laughs> So Seinfeld, back in the day, which was 100 million years ago, there was this guy called George Costanza, and his yes, life was falling yep. apart, right? And he had this insight. Like he was, he'd lost his job. He was living with his parents. He didn't have a girlfriend. And he said, you know what? Every decision that I make is wrong. I should just do the opposite of what I think is the right thing to do. And he started doing that, and then his life turned out really well. And so then I, I would use that thing when people with people would try to solve clinical cases um, and in organizations as well. It's like, so here's your problem. What's the opposite of what you would do? What's the thing that you would do that would end up destroying everything and get you in the papers and be like, just do the opposite of common sense. And it's not that you would literally do the opposite, but it provokes your thinking. It takes you from where you were to something else. And then you can look at this big pile of ridiculous opposite ideas. And, and there's somewhere in there. And it's, this is, I, I think, the single most important thing for businesses and organizations to do now, to find ways to challenge your thinking about the processes. Because as you say, all that vertical stuff has been disrupted. Systems have been disrupted. The, everything's been disrupted. So the same old thinking probably won't work. They need different strategies and ways to provoke those more lateral ninja-like responses to thinking. Yeah. And, and I, obviously I'm a sports guy. It just comes back to these new these new leaders, it's just offense or defense. They'll either go into the shell, put the handbrakes up, stuff this, and then there's going to be the offense crew of like, let's change it up, let's go, boom, boom, boom. And I I actually think at a leadership level over the next 12, 18 months, there's going to be crazy leadership directional choices of offense or defense for how it was done business as usual 2.0 or let's yep. actually build the new. So when you look at the future now what gets you most excited about this sort of new new zealand that we're going into how do you think that if we were to go on obviously on defense would be copy paste same shit 2.0 we get gutted and we waste this opportunity going on offense what do you get most excited about i think for me it's this global thing like every person i speak to gets it everybody everybody wants it and uh, so i've had conversations just at two meter distances from people just as i'm out walking my dog around the streets with people that i would we never have stopped and talked to each other before mm. and everyone is saying the same things we have to think differently we have to do stuff differently buying my coffee today there was a bloke standing outside we had this exact same conversation so i think there is a there's a momentum i think there's an appetite um i think people want to work really hard to try to save as many new zealand businesses as we can because they're our neighbors and our friends and our family and so i am i'm just really optimistic because i think something has happened to our psyche as a country that is really significant and there is a big momentum out there it's like it's just swirling around mm. looking for stuff to do you know 170,000 people on the sell new zealand facebook page over a hundred thousand people have signed up for the eat local nz stuff you know 600 businesses you know venues signed up within a few days so there is a huge i think appetite and momentum um and you know what really the thing every time i get depressed about things and i feel a bit 
grim and I want and I and I and so then I go out for a walk because that's how I kind of deal with that kind of stuff. You know, really it is. It's the it's the little bears. It's and this might sound simplistic and stupid, but you know, I'll be thinking, Jesus, the whole the economy and all these people, these businesses, and that's going to tank, and people aren't going to spend money. What the hell are we going to do? It's like, oh my god. Then you just see some some people have hidden a little bear in the hedge, or there's one up on the window, or there's one in the car, and it's like, at one level, that's just a little bear. But what that is is it's it's the it's the humans wanting to connect and help other people it's like as we were all hunkered down isolated and kind of cut off from each other people were actively looking for whatever small thing they could do to make other people's lives a bit better so mm. you know yes these are grim times and yes there are people doing it hard and i and i and i feel for them and there are lots of businesses i think who will go through really tough times but i think there is a momentum and there is a there's a there's a will to do things differently, and that's based on this kind of culture that we have really surfed off for the last few weeks of kind of of kindness and looking out for each other. So I'm I'm optimistic in a more profound way than I have been for a long time that we can do something different. That maybe young people, maybe we can help build with them a different kind of world where they have a chance now gets you hopeful for for kiwis right it gets, yeah it, it just it changed the yeah the, the over resounding feel is we want it better and braver for a new new zealand the danger is going to be how we can you know kind of not even systemize but put a bit more strategy into how we do that as a collective with with a, a, a unity of purpose after this next bit um so and it's too, people like so, you, and it's people like you who do. It's this kind of thing. It's like finding ways to keep that conversation going and putting it out there, and and like that's why I think the the, the thing that you this is really important, and the, and the people that you're talking to. That one of the wonderful things, of course, about all these platforms is the, there's a there's a way to get that stuff out there. So we have to keep that momentum going. We have to keep talking. We have to not fall back on those old patterns. You know, Uber Eats have just announced 0% fees, 100% of your tip goes to restaurants. That's an utterly cynical, cynical move to try to kill off the local competition. Um, what I think people should do is use it for a week until Eat Local NZ goes live so they can still support local venues and then dump them and go for a local thing. And I think people will do that because... Um, I think we want this different thing, and that's why it's important to keep having these sorts of conversations. Love your work, brother. As usual, we always have good bat. We always go on like nice tangents all over the place. It's great because I always see it as like little kernels of threads that you just plug through all of it. It's it's the way to do it, though. You just got to have a bit of a different lens with how you see it. But um, yeah, I really appreciate your time and just all you. I mean, I'd, everyone probably gives you a bunch of props, but the the work that you've done and the conversations that you've started and the, and the lives you've affected by, you know, you talk about the the dregs in the bottom. It's like, well, at the end of the day, if the streets don't mess with you, no one does. So, you know, when you've been able to do that the right way and actually get it from the, the ground up, that's the best way things build that has, you know, it has longevity and longevity brings legacy. So um, big thanks to everything that you've done, bro. And um, yeah, stoked that you've um, made the time, bro. Always good to, to yarn and hang, man, for sure. Well, you know, I, to be honest, I actually feel like I've got far more from all of the people I've worked with than, mm. you know, like the richness that that has brought to my life. Anything I'm doing now, mm. 
all of that comes from all of those experiences and the richness of those conversations because those people, the people that I've worked, they just open your eyes and they make you see stuff and they challenge your thinking. So, I uh, yeah, I, I feel like um, I'm feeling very privileged to have done the things that I've done and to have the opportunity to speak to kids like the fence kid. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yep. yeah. We'll talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll share the secrets another day. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, brother. Love your work, man. I'll talk soon. Thanks, Robert. Later, Andrew. See ya. Peace. What a good bastard. Such a good human. Uh, yeah, me and Nigel always have the good little banters about the ideas and stuff. And he's got to see so many different amazing parts in New Zealand, sad parts in New Zealand. And he's bringing a lot of those conversations to the forefront. So um, big thank you, Mr. Nigel Ladder. Absolute champion. Good vibes, team. Have a good night. Enjoy the rest of it. And I'll see you soon. Peace.